Hi, my name is Hero Bean Stevenson, and you're listening to the All of Us podcast, where we explore and embrace mental health through the simple act of honest conversation. Before we get into it, I'd like to mention that in sharing my personal experiences and insights, I do not claim to be an authority or expert on any of the issues that might come up in the discussion you're about to hear. These conversations include in-depth discussion around various mental health-related topics, the details of which may be triggering to some. So please take care while listening. Finally, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Before we begin, I'd also like to take a moment to thank and talk about BetterHelp, our first sponsor for the podcast. To be honest, I can't remember the first time that I went to therapy. What I do know is that since I was a little girl, it has been a consistent presence in my life, something that through my worst and best moments, I've been able to count on to provide me with support, guidance, and the feeling of being heard and understood. It's been an absolutely invaluable resource for me, and one that I believe everyone deserves access to, which is why I'm so excited to be partnering with BetterHelp as the very first official sponsor of this podcast. BetterHelp is an online resource that makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient so that anyone struggling with facing life's many obstacles or anyone who simply needs a space to be heard can get the support that they deserve anytime, anywhere. BetterHelp offers access to licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited psychologists, marriage and family therapists, clinical social workers, and board-licensed professional counselors so that you can use BetterHelp with the comfort of knowing that your mental health is in highly vetted and trustworthy hands. Visit www.betterhelp.com slash allofus to receive 10% off your first month of counseling. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the All of Us podcast. This is number 35. I know it's been a few weeks since my conversations with Will CU went up, but I have had the most profound and incredible couple of weeks away. You'll hear more about it in today's episode, my conversation with Jenny Westerhoff. Um, We talk about sort of what I was doing a little bit more, but basically I went to a place called The Meadows, which is in Wickenburg, Arizona, and it was founded by somebody named Pia Melody, who is kind of the foremost expert on childhood trauma and codependency, and she um, sort of formulated this program called Survivors, and it deals with processing childhood trauma and and all of that. And it was just the most profound and incredible experience I've ever had as an adult. It was absolutely life-changing, which sounds kind of funny to say, um, but it's nothing less than the truth. It was just the most amazing experience. And I've come back feeling so energized and capable and just able to show up for myself in a way that I didn't even think was possible. It was um, just beyond... So yeah, I'm really excited to be back. I'm excited for you guys to hear my conversation with Jenny today. I first came to know of Jenny actually by watching the same episode of Goop Labs a couple years ago. I think it was in 2019 that I 
watched it and I first learned of Will See You, um, who, again, was on the last two episodes. And Jenny was actually on the same episode where they venture into the jungle in Jamaica and take mushrooms and have a psychedelic therapeutic experience. And yeah, I watched it and I was just blown away by the vulnerability that Jenny showed on on the show. It was beautiful to see and painful in a lot of ways. And she talked about processing um, the death of her father, who she lost to suicide when she was 24 years old, which was, I think, just about the age that I was when I saw the episode. So it just hit me really hard. And I felt really connected to Jenny in this kind of unexplainable way. And it all made so much sense when I finally met her um, two days ago for this conversation. She is just such an incredible human being and so real and just such a feeler and connector. And she's so grounded. And I just can't say enough um, beautiful things about, about Jenny. And you'll come to know them all when you listen. She is now a freelance art director and photographer based here in Los Angeles, and she's recently launched Wabi Sabi, which is a healing practice supporting life in all of its stages, where she offers services as a nutritional guide, a death doula, which she'll explain more about during the episode, and Reiki and breathwork facilitation. Um, This is just, it's such a great conversation. I honestly couldn't have hoped for a better first episode um, returning from the few weeks away that I had. We talk about grieving, we talk about identity and sort of being really patient and gentle and graceful in believing in the person that you're becoming and not judging the process that gets you there. Um, We talk about comparison and just self-acceptance Um, it's a really important topic to not only both of us, but I think to a lot of people right now, especially those listening. We live in this world where everything seems so overnight and there's overnight success and overnight sort of like TikTok celebrities and overnight cleanses Jenny talks about from from being at Goop. There are all these sort of like protocols of like, here are the steps to get you here. And here's how you can become this dream person or this dream version of yourself overnight. And we kind of talk about how um, how much stress that that can cause and how unsustainable and unrealistic it is. And um, just how important on the other side of that honoring patience and true process is. So I'm really excited to share today's conversation with you. And thank you so much for sticking with me and for being here to listen. Um, I'm looking forward to all the episodes that I have to share both today's and the ones to come. So I hope you enjoy. And here we go. It's so nice to, to finally meet you. I feel like yeah, you as well. Been- like in the ether for a while. And I'm so happy that it's finally happening. Are you here in LA? Yeah, I'm in Topanga right now. Oh, the best. I used to ride horses up there. I rode at a place Mm -hmm. called Mill Creek. Okay, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I forget what street it's on. Yes, it's for sale right now. No way. Yeah, yeah. I see. It's on Old Topanga, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it is. I always used to go to that little, like the country, that red market Mm -hmm. and get the little, like, 
they had these pot stickers or like some kind of little dumpling. And I used to go and get like tons of them. And then my friends and I would like ride. It was good. Oh, I loved hanging. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. There. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's been a frantic day. I was running late because I got my car serviced and um, yeah. So just driving back. I've like, yeah, I'm back in LA after being gone for a bit. So I'm like forgetting how long it takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like how much you can actually theoretically do in a day. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm feeling good today. Yeah. Good. Where were you? Um, I was in Santa Cruz for, um, gosh, like almost six months. Um, last year I just took some time off and left LA, cool. quit my job. Um, yeah, I was working on a farm. <laughs> Oh my God. That's amazing. How did you end up working on the farm? I have questions. Did you move to Santa Cruz by yourself? I moved by myself, um, last May, um, to work on a farm for a month. And, um, then I just loved it. And I decided to stay a little bit longer, subletted this little cottage by the beach. Um, yeah, by myself. Didn't really, didn't really know anyone. It was a definite, just like, um, like, I don't know what you would call it, soul searching, like walkabout type thing. <laughs> Did you do it through a program? Because I remember there was this thing called woof. It's called woofing. Is yeah. it that? Yeah, I did. I did a woof program. Oh um, my God. It was kind of just like so kismet and I had done it before through them um, and ended up working on this farm for two weeks um, in Taos. And I was like, well, it was I mean, the place was so magical and it was down the street from the Llama Foundation, which Ram Das helped build. Um, Aldous Huxley had stayed there. It was just like so magical of a property and yeah. like had no idea any of that before I got there. Um, and then I just love that experience. I want to try it again. And again, just was like cosmically matched with this woman who had this homestead up in the mountains of Santa Cruz and like spend my mornings milking goats and watering the garden and like being immersed in the redwood trees. And it was so magical. That's so amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Did you do any kind of like unplugging during those six months or were you kind of still engaged in your life? Completely unplugged. Yeah. I stopped working for, about, yeah, about six months. Um, and where were you working before, just for those who don't know? Okay. In this, introduce yourself. I know, I, right. I, we kind of just jumped right in. No, but, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, so I worked at Goop for five years full time um, and, yeah, left in December of 2020. It had been some time coming. I had just been wanting to, well, one, take some time off and then also, like, start freelancing um, mm-hmm. and sort of, like, jump off the cliff. Yeah. But I, I wanted to just, like – spend some time to get to know myself in this like liminal period. Um, and really like on, it sounds bizarre, but like focus on grieving because I hadn't really had time to process a lot. Um, yeah. from COVID and I lost my mom right before COVID started in March of 2020. Um, so I just was like, I need to, to really unplug and, and go be in nature and, I didn't really know what I was getting into and like why I felt so called to go there. But once I was there, it was just like, oh, wow, this is like my soul knew I needed to come here. 
That's but amazing. To, yeah. But to get myself there was like pulling teeth. It was crazy. I mean, the, what I had to go through to, um, just to, like allow myself to have that experience and, and fight the, the internal conversations of like, what are you doing? You're 30 years old. Like you're leaving your job without anything lined up. You're leaving LA. You don't have an apartment. You're literally all of your stuff is in a car. <laughs> like it just, um, and just the perceptions, um, that I was judging myself with, it was bizarre and not really realizing that until I got there. I'm just like, Oh wow. I felt so supported by nature and yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. We have so much to talk about because <laughs> I'm just res- like, I could cry. I'm resonating with this on like a very, very deep level right now, because obviously this is on a much smaller scale. Um, and the kind of grieving is different. And the reasons that I was going was, I don't know, but basically I haven't posted this podcast is the first one. It'll go up later today. Um, but it'll be the first podcast that I episode that I'm putting up. I think in like several weeks because I came back and I posted to actually with Will see you who was yes. on the goop yeah, labs episode that you, that I saw you on. It's a very goopy season two <laughs> of the podcast. Um, by the way, can you hear this leaf blower very loud? I can't hear it at all. You can't. Okay, great. That's no, okay. <laughs> um, to all those who can't hear it, if you're listening and you can hear it a lot, I'm very sorry, but there's nothing I can do. Um, so basically I, yeah, I had posted two episodes with Will and I kind of had this plan to be like going about the podcast and what did I, I had been through like a pretty, um, heartbreaking breakup in November with somebody that like I, it was very loving and happy and all of that and not happy. Sorry. That's the wrong, it was loving and amicable and, um, but it was somebody who I thought was forever like forever and ever it was my first real relationship but I thought it was definitely something to grieve when it was finished and I sort of let myself do it but not really I kind of pulled myself together really quick and then was like that I was like so motivated to do a podcast and then I had been thinking about going to the meadows do you know what the meadows is no what is that so the Meadows is this, it's essentially a rehab and it was founded by Pia Melody who wrote Codependent, Codependent No More, I think. And then the other oh, book yeah. is Facing Codependence. She's like a big codependency expert and she founded this place, the Meadows. And it's kind of a rehab, like they deal with a lot of different um, issues. You can go for drug addiction or like love avoidance and love addiction. And mm-hmm. But they have this very famous program that's been going, I think, since the 80s called Survivors. And there's survivors one and two, and one deals with childhood trauma and two deals with adult trauma. And the way that they deal with it is very much rooted in childhood trauma and then how it manifests as codependence and sort of like what that looks like for you. And I had been thinking of going for like three years and then it just, I just felt very right. And I got there And it felt all of a sudden, I mean, obviously I processed a lot of things while I was there, but all last week, or no, it was two weeks ago now, I was there and there was a lot of grieving that was going on there, but it didn't come up until I got there. And we were totally unplugged. And again, it was only a week, but we were super unplugged, didn't have access to the news, which like wild to come back and have this be going on. 
Um, yeah, yeah, but it was a lot of me. It took so much to get there, like three years of thinking about it. And when I got there, I was dealing with, I think a lot of things that I three years ago wouldn't have had to deal with. Mm. Um, but it was so insane how revealing, um, actually doing that kind of, um, sort of like taking that leap was, and I'm sure you experienced it like six times more, like how many, you were there for six months, so like many more times over than I did. But I, I'm resonating with everything that you're saying because I very recently had like a condensed version of, of what it sounds like happened for you. Yeah. I mean, that's so beautiful that you had that experience and that you like got yourself there after such a, you know, journey to, to finally like be there on the ground. And like, I can relate to that. And the, just the struggle to like give ourselves truly like what we need to let go of like the expectations of like what we think, you know, healing should be or how it should look and to just Mm -hmm. like really give ourselves what our soul needs without, you know, any conception of what it might look like from the outside to like give ourselves the time and space to really like go inward and, Um, I often feel like for me, like it was such a long time coming as well. Like, you know, it's like the beauty per se is in the breakdown. And like, oftentimes we won't let ourselves like really fall to that point because I know for me, at least, like I've always been in the the mode of like, just got to like soldier on and, and pick yourself up and like keep going. It's always, you know, we live in such a culture and society of like just keep moving forward and progress and progress even when it comes to like healing of like trying the next thing and oftentimes like not doing anything <laughs> that really yeah. is the ticket right it's like yeah. unplugging from our normal day-to-day routine and the people we're around to really just like know how we're re- relating first to ourselves and yeah like what it stems back from and for me like being in nature it was like it was like going back to the beginning in so many ways because it's such a primal um existence out in like on a farm you know and you're really seeing the cycles of things firsthand and realizing that some things do need to die and like you need to let go of to to move on and oftentimes too like you have to go like with childhood trauma that does show up in relationships. So oftentimes it can be like, my God, like what's wrong with me? What did I do now? But it's, it's not our fault. Like, but to really give ourselves that space to just, um, yeah, to let things settle and to, to pick up what, what we need to move on. And yeah, that's so beautiful that you have that. When you, I think like really make a lot of your decisions and, um, and think from the frame, from the mindset of like, what is going to best serve like baby you? It's not like you're actually like an infant, but baby you just represents like your most vulnerable, like sacred, fragile self. And I think when you show up for that person, you do, um, you do really amazing things for yourself that I think a lot of the time we think we don't deserve because we're like adult people. And that goes back. I want to talk to you about the judgment that you kind of were like inflicting upon yourself with going. Mm -hmm. I had the same thing with going to this thing for a week. I was like, I'm this age. Everyone else around me seems to be like 
thriving in their careers and like famous for one reason or another, like whether it's on the Instagram or like in their career, they're like all killing it. And I'm like delving into my mental health. And now here I go, like for a week, I'm going to just disappear. And I feel like it's another one of these things that it's like, okay, like their hero goes. But once I got there and like felt how important that work was for me, that all went away. And then now having come back, it's like, I would never judge that little like fragile, like in need version of myself for doing, for providing myself with something I really needed. So I wonder if for you, those feelings drifted away once you got there and were like, had your feet in the mud, literally. (laughs) Yes, I completely, I completely relate to that. And that was the exact feeling that I had getting there. Like I mentioned, it was just like such a mystery to me, like why I was even doing this. Like it felt so preposterous, like, why I felt so called. But when I was there, it was like, oh my God, it felt like, you know, part of me just kind of like rested in it. And I was like, I felt so at home and I didn't quite realize what kind of work. I mean, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, like what I was going to be doing literally day to day. But then when I got there, just realizing how much it did mimic, you know, my childhood experience with what was being stirred up. Um, and what I think was like still needing to be healed. And, um, it was an interesting situation too, because the, the woman who owned the farm or owns the farm, um, went back to school for, um, for therapy. So we were having, it was me and, um, this woman and this other girl that was working there who was 10 years younger than me and the farmer was 10 years older than me. So I was kind of in the middle of them both. And it felt like I was in this, like time kind of like stood still and I could see myself, you know, 10 years ago, but I also still felt like a 10 year old in so many ways Mm -hmm. since my mom had died. Like it, it truly like catapulted me back to childhood because here I was now like an orphan and I was like, who's going to claim me? Like I, I feel so lost. Like, I'm not like, am I going to be forgotten? Like, it was just crazy how, how many like childhood wounds still were like coming up in those moments of grief. But yeah, being um, in this house with all these people, I was like realizing how much of um, what didn't feel right in my day to day adult life was how I was relating to people. But that was really stemming from how I was relating to myself. And, Mm. you know, you bring up so many good points of like healing the the child child self especially in relationship when you're being like triggered so to speak like in these situations with a romantic partner and it's bringing up the ways that you didn't feel you were getting your needs met as a child and like how that's just such prime information to like give yourself all of that now and relationships are like our greatest teacher. And that's what I felt like I was getting on the farm with relating to everyone that I was around, but also the animals. Like, I mean, talk about great teachers, like being around animals that are just like in their bodies all the time, like working off of instinct. Um, You just see like nature at play and also just how like accepting nature is and there's no judgment there so I was when I got there I was like what was I thinking like this is 
this is real life. Like this is what matters and this is real. And this is, it was love. Like it was just, I was like, Oh, this is what love is like the purest form. Um, and just seeing it in all of these interactions with the animals, like the mom and the babies. And it was, and also just like the cycles of experiencing death too on the farm and just real, it was like such a external view of everything that I felt like was going on internally um, and really helped me just shift, shift into like a new paradigm for myself and, and sort of really form this connection with my inner child that, um, that has been like so instrumental in my process of healing and, it sounds like it's been so similar for you with this retreat. Like, it's so funny how it really, like, I feel like everything can just like come back to how our relationship is with our inner child. And that's like, Oh my gosh. And then you talking about too, like experiencing like a house full, when you said a house full of people or like you were with all these people, I, when I went on this, when I did this program, my group was, it was me and it was five other people. And they all were the youngest other person was 36. And then the oldest person was 68. Mm -hmm. And I had this, and I honestly believe like our facilitator, the therapist that works with everyone in the group, um, from the very beginning, she like kept telling us, like, she's like, there's no such thing as a consequence. Like everything happens for a reason. And she was saying it for one reason in the beginning. And then by the end, she looked at us and she was like, and to your point too, about you experiencing like very true love. She looked at all of us and she was just like, this is heaven on earth. Like, this is what it's about because we had become so bonded. Like we experienced such great love there with each other. And I know that I was meant to be in that group of people because when I first got there, I was like, maybe it would be helpful if I was with a lot of other 25 year old women who've experienced the things that I've experienced. And then the second to last night I was lying in my bed there and in the room next to me was like this one guy in my group. And then the woman, the room next door with on the other side was this woman in my group. And it felt like, and I had, and then the two people in the common room, like outside were that were the other two people in the group were like having this little quiet conversation. And I was laying there and I experienced this like very deep sense of peace and coziness and safety that I, I felt like a baby in a crib. And I was just like, Oh, like, I'm in a household and I had like so much of my childhood in my life was like so cozy and lovely and safe. And I experienced a lot of that, but like my household was always my mom and my brother and like no one else. And then when I visited my dad, it was like very different situation. And I was lying there and I experienced this thing and I was just like, oh, like this is the family experience that I needed to have. Like, this is what it's like to be in a house full of family, like full of family that like really feels safe and nurturing and like I'm being held. And I just like laid there crying and I was just like, I hope this never, ever goes away. Like, this is what it's about. This is amazing. And then the next day we all sat around. It was our last day and we looked at each other and we were like, this is the real shit. Like, this is what life is about. Um, and I think that's why on I can tell like we connect and on a deeper level because I think both of us have this awareness of and this attachment to like what that like true love feels like and what true connection feels like and we're very lucky to know that and to have this familiarity with it and this desire to chase it but I think 
I really had to prepare myself. And I want to ask you about this for, even though I was only gone a week, it was the, I had this moment of fear the last day where I was like, I'm going to go back to quote unquote real life. And everyone else just didn't come from this beautiful program. They were just doing their shit and being in like the washing machine and like of everyday life. And a lot of them so stuck in their heads and like comparison and all the crazy things we experience and do to ourselves. And I'm going to have to go back and live in that. What the, like, how is that going to feel? And it's been, I think I, I came away with a lot of tools that made that easier for me, but it has been wild to like reassimilate into the same sort of like cycle of what everybody's doing, which is kind of, I don't know. It's a lot, it's hard to articulate, but I know you know what I mean. Oh, I do. Yeah. I <laughs> understand because I've had those feelings so often with like any, you know, plant medicine journey I've done, like doing this farming experience and like having, and just like coming back into the real world. And it's like, you've changed and how you're like, how you relate to yourself has changed, but not necessarily how people are relating to you. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're going back into these same relationships and you want to show up as that person, but these people haven't had the same experience as you. And it feels so odd, at least for me having to like explain all of that. And then it's just like, where do we go from here? But but it's really, it's like those tools and it's, and I've learned too, it's, it really is, just about the connection that you have with yourself. And it's not so much like, you know, I used to think like, oh, I have to like reevaluate all of my relationships and now my relationships have to change. But I think it's just how, how you're working on yourself and the tools that you're using with yourself daily as a practice um, that just allow you to show up differently. And then others, you know, will respond accordingly or not and like completely and um and things will just happen as they should and that's the one thing that I think I've like really learned in the past honestly few weeks is like um you know it's I used to think like everything had to like change overnight and I'm I'm realizing it's just like the practice day to day you know and it's not it's really like for me and, and how, how I'm showing up and, um, and yeah. And, and yeah. I, yeah. I, so when I was little, I, I've always journaled and I used to go and visit my dad every summer and I would always come back like a week before school was starting again. And every, I mean, this probably happened like five or six summers in a row when I was like, 10 and 11 and 12 and like all those special years. And I used to write in my journal. I remember at the end of every summer, I would do this thing where I'd be like, I'm going to come back like a newer and cooler and prettier and like better version of me. And I'm going to change and it's all going to happen. And then a week into school and I would be like, I'm going to wear this and have this style and like this hair. And then a week into school, I'd be like, shit, I'm just myself here I am. Like, I can't maintain anything. Like, I'm just me. Like, this big change didn't happen. And I honestly have come to, like, I honestly think that we do, like, we do, I think we have, like, a slow trajectory of, like, we are slowly changing all the time. And it's kind of, like, 
incrementally happening and it's always happening. But then I also do think we have these big giant pivotal shifts that like change us in a week. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that those are up to us, if that makes sense. Like me saying at the end of summer, like, this is the moment I'm going to change. That wasn't going to happen. Or even there have been times where I'm like, this is the moment where like, I'm never going to be reactive with my mom again. And then of course that doesn't happen. But then this Meadows thing, like I had been thinking about going for like three years, but it happened when it happened. And like certain big giant shifts happened when they were supposed to. But yeah, I, I really don't think that those happen when when we think they are going to. I think they do happen, but it's not up to us. Yeah. And also it, it never like looks how we are expected to, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like that's if like I could if my will had the choice, my ego had the choice of what the journey was supposed to be, you know, it wouldn't, it's not going to take me where I'm supposed to go. It's always like these, you know, the shifts that happen or the events that happen that I would never have chosen for myself. And I do think, yeah, these like big shifts can happen, but it's also like this small, I feel like it will it's almost like an earthquake, right? And the event happens, but you don't really notice the changes maybe until like six months down the line. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't, wasn't even like conscious of this change taking place. And it kind of creates like a ripple effect throughout your whole life. And then you wake up one day and you're like, I am a different person. And that's what I've had to shift so much too recently is like not, like I don't have to like focus so intently on, maybe like what I want to let go of, but it's really just focusing on the few things that you're moving towards and you're thankful for and that you're proud of yourself for and really just like acknowledging the work that you're doing too. Cause I know for me, at least it's like, I can, <laughs> I'm like, I need to do, be doing more or, um, you know, I should be trying this next thing or I should make these changes but often the most like beautiful part is just like acknowledging that you're showing up each day and trying. And I think for me, it's like, I wanted to, (laughs) I think when I first started this journey, it was like, I had in my mind that I would like get to this place where certain things wouldn't affect me. Like I wouldn't be triggered in a certain way, or I wouldn't have to need certain relationships or something like that. And I realized it was an attempt to sort of get away from my humanness. And Mm. now I feel like a giant shift has happened where I'm like finding so much beauty and being so grateful for being human and like these, these connections, these relationships that like are messy that allow me to grow and just try and, um, and get to, you know, be around all these beautiful people and just continue to show up and, and learn together. Yeah. Oh, yes. I love all of what you just said. And I, when you were saying it, I kept picturing like you on this farm and seeing like little (laughs) seeds turn into flat, like just this like slow cycle is a really big part of what we're talking about. And it's also making me think of how we are in, I mean, obviously like there are so many different like ways of living. I'm just talking about being young women in LA and experiencing life in that way. Um, And it feels like we're getting farther and farther away from that being the norm, like accepting messiness and slow progression and slow change and slow like downfall and then picking back up. And 
we live, I feel like in this time of like overnight, like whether it's like overnight TikTok fame or like you're going to change your body overnight with a cleanse. And like you experience that even pre-TikTok, I'm sure at Goop, like everything is about like do this thing super full on for this amount of time and you'll have glowing skin, you'll weigh less and you'll be way more energetic and your hormones will magically balance. And like I've obviously, I'm so familiar with all of that. And yeah, I just, I want to know how being someone that like worked in the wellness space for a while and like even going like you did this the way that I know about you is because you were like on this Netflix show where you went and did a plant thing and like you did process so much like on television and like I saw it but then the whole I think even in like having that be in a tv show it's like it shows so many people like this amazing transformation can happen during this weekend but then you come home and you realize like the real transformation happens after that over the course of like months and years. So yeah, I'm so curious to know yeah. how you feel about that. And I also just want to talk about, if you don't mind, your experience going and doing the the plant medicine and just like explaining a bit of like what I saw and maybe a lot of other people maybe have seen on the Goop Labs, but I'd love to hear about about that and like kind of why you did it and everything. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that point up because that was sort of that feeling that I had leaving LA because it, and, and leaving Goop as well, where everything's like a listicle and like five ways you can, you know, manifest the life of your dreams and all mm-hmm. of these things that we want steps to follow. We want a program, we want days and getting there. It was like, oh my gosh, it was that pressure of feeling like I was supposed to be at a certain place at a certain time um, in my life and just giving the grace to just like, yeah, it's going to take however long it it's going to take and to let myself have whatever I need to have to heal. And that may be like going to work on a farm, it, you know, and it might change depending on where I am in my life. And, um, and yeah, it, it's interesting. I feel like with that experience on the goop lab, um, you know, I can't remember who said this quote, but I've, I feel like it puts so beautifully my experience with psychedelics where, um, you know, psychedelics will open the window, but you have to, you know, actually go through and mm. climb out. Yeah. Um, and that's what the process has been like for me these past few years. And it's wild to think that that was t- 2019 because... <laughs> I just feel like it's been 10 years, honestly, it just with the amount that's happened in the world. And cause it came out um, a few months before COVID started. And mm-hmm. um, I think I had just, you know, these expectations going into that, that experience and being on the show um, of like what was going to happen in my life afterwards. And I think this is another like beautiful example of like, it's the shifts are never what you think they're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I feel like I had this curiosity. I remember um, going into that experience of wanting these like answers that to questions that I had just internally of what life meant, you know, these like very bare bones, like, why are we here? What is the point of this? And, um, 
you know, with that experience, having that intention, I wouldn't say that it answered the question for me on the show in, in that experience overnight, but it's put me on the path to seek those answers in my day-to-day life and really was the catalyst for change to put me in the situations that were going to accelerate my growth and um, just find the things that are in alignment with my authenticity that have helped answer those questions. And, and I don't know that really the answer per se is the right word. It's like being comfortable with that mystery and feeling so content in the searching and the just, I mean, it's, it sounds so, (laughs) sounds so silly to say, because I would not have expected this, but just, you know, fostering this connection with God, spirit, the universe, anything that you would want to call that and really finding that for myself. And that I feel like has been the thing that's like sustained me since that experience that, um, you know, it's like when you start to like forget that that's when those experience help can help you and, and just like put you back in that state of wonder that, you know, going back to the inner child, that that's what like keeps you going. And that's what I feel like when you see like 85 year olds that are just like so youthful, it's because they have that spirit. They have that connection still to their child self. And that's what I feel like psychedelics are so great at as is really fostering that connection and, and keeping that mystery alive because we get so hardwired in our day-to-day especially living in cities and in LA especially with the the hamster wheel of success and like these external symbols of progress when it's it's gonna look different for everybody you know and I feel like that for me like going on this farm experience I was like oh it doesn't have to be what is prescribed to people my age or what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's truly just about what feels good to me and what feels good to me right now and down the line. And, um, and it doesn't have to make sense to anyone else. And, and it's interesting, like going on the show was at that point, my life was like my farming experience because so many people told me not to do that. I remember I had to get a doctor's note signed to be on the show. (laughs) And I even went to my doctor and she like thought I was insane. She was like, why are you doing this? I don't recommend this. She was like rolling her eyes at me. Um, But I was in, I was following that part of me that was like, yes, this is what you need to do. And granted, like I probably, me myself now would not do that. Again, really? I would, probably not. Why no. not? <laughs> well, it's interesting because I've just, I've found so many other tools that are so much more powerful that don't need a substance. Like I just mm-hmm. completed a breathwork training this past weekend with Erin Telford here in LA and she's amazing. And um, we did some breath work actually on the show that didn't make it on, but um, 
it was um, so transformative. And, you know, it's something that you have access to within you anytime. You can just lay down and within seven minutes, you're having the same sort of experience as you would on psychedelics, but it's all within you. And I think that was what I found over these past few years where it used to think, I used to feel that these substances, these experiences were like my ticket to some like higher state of consciousness outside of myself that I needed to, to take to access. But Mm -hmm. having these tools within me has just shown me like, Oh, actually it's all like source energies in me and I can amplify it at any time to like foster that connection. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been all of these practices since I've been on the show that have taught me that like studying Reiki and all of these things that have just been so instrumental in getting me to a place that I feel like I don't need to keep trying the next thing, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I've only had a few experiences with psychedelics. They've all been like I would say, I guess, recreational. I've done mushrooms like four or five times. Um, (laughs) And it was always never like facilitated by anyone in like a spiritual or therapeutic setting. It was with my boyfriend, like in my mom's backyard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it couldn't have been like a more loving experience. Um, But in terms of like my, like Will, who you know, Um, who does like all the work with maps and is like a huge like psychedelic healing guy he asked me earlier this week I hung out with him and he was like have you ever felt like have you ever done any any of that or would you ever be interested and I said like I just don't feel called to it and I that's a huge thing for me like before going to the meadows like I thought about it for three years before starting five milligrams of Paxil which is like the most low-key SSRI on earth I thought about it for like two years I just need to feel really called to something before I do it, not to sound very like woo-woo and like whatever. It's it's not that way. It's just if I don't feel like a gut um, sort of in, instinct that I need to do something, I just kind of like, especially when it comes to like s- dealing with myself, like on a really personal and like interior level, I just kind of won't do it until it really feels right. So yeah, the psychedelics I've never really experienced in that way, but I completely understand what you're saying where you feel like you have that that energy and that um, power within you because I already feel – I'm like, why would I ever take a psychedelic? I feel like I'm so like stony and psychedelic out inside all the time. Like I can act – I can get there right. and I can do – I don't know. I can feel like that. And when I took the mushrooms, I was like, yep, this is how it feels. Like I can get here. <laughs> Um, but for those who don't know, what what were you doing in Jamaica? You did it in Jamaica, right? Yeah. I yeah, watched we- it a while when it first came out, but I haven't seen it in a while. Will you just explain a bit more about the process and what it what it entailed? Yeah, of course. So we went to Jamaica, um, and we were with a few guides that was Jillian and Richard. Um, they have a retreat center up in Canada and they came down with us um, to Jamaica and we took, I believe it was eight grams of mushrooms. Um, And to be honest, they were pretty weak, which is why we ended up doing some breath work to really like amplify the experience. Mm. And 
you know, that, that is like a, a, you kind of touched on this and you were like, well, why would I take mushrooms? I'm already having these like psychedelic yeah. experiences. And it's true. Like, I feel like that's, I forget who said that, but we are having a psychedelic experience. Our senses though, you know, we're in a human body. So it's like dulled out. But when we take these substances, like the veil lifts and we're sort of feeling what is all around us anyways. But yeah, so we were there and um, I cried a lot. (laughs) I cried for about 30 minutes um, straight and Jillian was like holding me. Um, And I was dealing with a lot of unprocessed trauma from the death of my dad. Um, I lost him to suicide when I was 24 and um, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful that I ended up working at Goop and um, it was a year after he had died that I moved out to LA from New York um, and started working there. And at the time I was like, great, I have a job. And I didn't really know what it was going to become for me, but you know, I learned so much about myself through being there and having access to these opportunities. Um, and yeah, and being on the show and having that experience, it was like, I, I almost felt like it was like this peak of something, but it was truly at the beginning of putting me on this path um, to really just like become who I am or who I was, but I wasn't able to see that yet. And, um, and I think that's like another really good point too, of just like trauma isn't the end for anyone. And I, I really see it, see trauma as, and grief as like the gateway into a more richer life for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it can be scary to like, get yourself to have these experiences and really like go in towards the pain. But when you move towards the pain, that's like really when the change happens and um, the healing happens. And that's what that was for me. And I think, of course, there's like a bit of ego that comes along with it. And you're like, oh, wow, cool. I get to go to Jamaica and I get to be on this show. And that's so cool. But it was like, I, I didn't really know the, the deep work that I was going to be doing. And that was a big surprise to me. And I remember, (laughs) I don't know if this made it on the show, but at one point, um, Richard and Jillian were like, oh, you're, you're a healer. And I was like, like, you must be wrong. (laughs) Not me. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I feel so broken. Like I Mm. can't, I could not imagine like bringing healing to anyone else. And I had a conversation since with a friend um, and she was like, yeah, everyone kept telling me I'm supposed to be a healer. And I they just thought like so confused about that, but it's truly just like how you live your life, you're bringing healing to people. And I think by me even just going on that show um, and the responses I got from people afterwards, that was like the most healing for me and realizing, oh, that's what they meant. Like by showing that this is okay and that 
um, just like talking about it and, and showing up with my pain, um, I think helped a lot of people and touched a lot of people that had similar experiences, had maybe been curious about psychedelics. I mean, recently is um, a few months ago when I was still in Santa Cruz, I got an email from someone, um, you know, whose, whose daughter was really struggling and hadn't just like asked me about mushrooms and like, would I recommend that? And um, cause he had saw me on the show and, like that is just so touching to me. And like that has brought me the most healing outside of the show. Um, just the connections that I've made with people. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing all of that. It's um, it is amazing your ability to be so vulnerable. And I think it does, you are a healer for sure. And I think that we, especially being people in the wellness world, um, the word healer, it's like such a big thing for a lot of people. And especially for us, we think of like Shaman Durek as being a healer or like people that have these like mystical vibes and experiences and like do all of these like very, like they're so sort of rooted in that identity that when it is more um, sort of like subtle and under the surface, it can be, I think we can sort of like discount um, how many I don't know, like what real healing is. And I think your ability to just share so openly and show yourself is like, if that's not what what being a healer is, then I don't know what is. Like it is the most important aspect of any kind of healing work. Um, And yeah, I think that in this world too, where we are so focused on creating like images of ourselves um, that have nothing to do with sharing what we really feel are feeling and experiencing and even I'm sure you got you are so familiar with this like there is this whole new brand of like public like wellness people and like people that are like very like Instagram vulnerable that'll like share their like experience with like an eating disorder or a death or like something on Instagram and it is like very like it is vulnerable but then there's this like much deeper thing like everyone who I think does that and I'm not Like, I think it is an amazing thing to share the way people do online, but I think that there's always something, like, much deeper that, like, everyone's always shrouding. I don't know if you agree with that, but, like, I just think there's, like, a weird, like, falsity to a lot of the, like, Instagram openness that I think, like, when you do come across someone that is really just willing to, like, bear all, it's like very it's so tangible does that make any sense no it makes a lot of sense and I think it's it's interesting because I think that in wellness that's sort of become the next arena right it's like you know being vulnerable can also become performative and to just be aware when something feels like disingenuous that way but it's like great okay we can share that on Instagram but like how are we showing up for our friends in our relationships when they come to us with something like really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. are we changing the subject or are we really willing to sit with their pain and not try to fix it and, and just like be a witness to that. And like, that's what I think a healer is. And that's what I mean by like, anyone can be a healer. It's like, how are we, how are we sitting with our pain and how are we sitting with those in our lives? And are we, 
um, able to be witnesses to other people's vulnerability without shoving it away or, you know, changing the subject. And um, yeah, and I think that for me, like the word healer, I just wanted to say this, I, and I heard that this, this weekend was a, a midwife for spirit which I just love so much. And I think that really speaks to the ability for us to really acknowledge when our like human ego is getting in the way in relationships or in work, anything that comes about day to day. It's like getting underneath all of that to the core of like what really matters and like, what are you going to look back on a year from now and be like, proud of yourself for saying or doing, doing the hard thing. Um, and also just be like holding compassion for ourselves in that moment too. And like, we're going to mess up and we're going to make mistakes, but that is where the growth happens. And I think that's like such a, another aspect too of Instagram right now, where just like society and culture is like, you know, everyone's there's, it's interesting. There's like this vulnerability, but also this deep fear, I think with like cancel culture of mm-hmm. saying the wrong thing. But if we don't all like make mistakes, how are we supposed to learn? And I think just allowing ourselves the compassion to make those mistakes and like possibly say the wrong thing and see how we, how it feels and, and how the other person might respond and and taking that as data for the next time and growing because that's that's how we evolve, you know? Yeah, yeah. And kind of like a little bit in relation to that, I'm curious first if prior to going on this journey, meaning what you did with the Goop Labs and you said that you processed a lot with your dad, I would love to ask about sort of like what your grieving process or like what how you sort of like took care of yourself before that. Hmm. and how it shifted after the psychedelics and then with the past the recent passing of your mom I'm really curious to know like with everything we've just talked about in that like growth is not linear and that we there is no like big shift of like I used to not know and now I know and I'm gonna know forever I would love to to know like how your experience has been with grieving this time and like what things are coming up in that way yeah, so before the show, um, I had just started therapy in 2018. Um, so that was about a year before the show had had filmed. So I was just really, and I had also um, gotten out of a very codependent and toxic relationship um, about a week before um, the filming. Oh, wow. And I like finally cut it off like once and for all, I had just kind of had this moment where I was like, no. And so that was kind of where I was at at the point before the show. And, um, I was really just learning how to be aware of these different things within me and like just starting to take care of myself and have compassion and really name the things that were happening and realizing that, that relationship was a symptom of me not properly dealing with grief and allowing myself to the, the grace and compassion of knowing that, that it wasn't like my fault and 
um, nothing I did wrong per se. And then, um, yeah, since the show, um, you know, my, so my mom passed, uh, two months after it aired. And then with COVID it was, I was grieving in isolation, which was, I mean, no one should be grieving in isolation. It's just, you know, I didn't quite realize, um, the impact of all of that until I think I got to the farm and being with those people, I was like, Oh my God, this is what I needed. I needed, um, I needed people around me. And that was, you know, still during COVID. Um, but I really realized that I can't grieve unless I'm in community and like forming new, new connections. And it was a really hard time to be isolated from my friends and not being around my coworkers anymore who had been, you know, like family to me. Um, and I had never really gone to group therapy, but that came about, um, as a suggestion from my therapist, um, this past summer and specifically for suicide loss survivors. And mm. I had been in this group, um, I'm in my second session right now. And that was, I mean, it felt like I reclaimed a part of myself that you don't really realize like the small nuances with grief that really can make you feel so alone and so, um, confused of just like, am I doing this right? Like, do other people really feel this way? But being in a group of people with that specific kind of loss was so instrumental in just bringing me to the present. Like, I think there was a big part of me that was still stuck at 24 mm -hmm. with just the thoughts that I was having on a loop yeah. and really not being able to like let certain things go. Um, and being able to make connections with people through that sort of pain has been like a superpower for me where I feel like now I'm showing up in my relationships and not really um, needing that sort of thing from them. Because I think, you know, similar with like codependency, right? Like what you were saying in your experience, in your relationship, it's like, you don't really realize what you're putting on the other person and yeah. what you're like needing from the other person until something shifts outside or you're like, you maybe learn to give that to yourself or like find that from another person in a healthy mm -hmm. way. Yeah. And that was what I found with that, that group where I didn't quite realize what was subconsciously happening in my relationships where I was like, I don't feel like I'm being seen and I didn't know the ways in which I needed to be seen by people that really understood. And so, yeah, healing in community with other people and grieving in community with people that have shared a similar experience has been so phenomenal in ways that, you know, psychedelics are great to really, I think, shake the sleeping self, so to speak, and like get you to a point where you feel open enough to seek out the next thing that really is going to be, you know, the big, the big shift for you. Yeah. Oh my God. I agree with so much of what you just said. I think that 
at least with my experience this past or the other week, I left so like something that I really noticed in the last like a couple weeks that I've been home um, is that I have this like self like I feel so self assured and like capable in a way that I have never felt. Like I feel so adult in the way that I am capable of holding myself and setting boundaries with myself and other people and taking care of myself. And it's not like I've tried to get here before and I now feel like I have the tools. And I think it's because I was with a group of people that saw not only saw my experience and saw me externalize it, but also validated it in saying like, yes, that's valid, but also showing me that they had dealt with the exact same thing or versions of it. And I think when we're walking around existing, not knowing, like knowing that we've experienced something and how it's manifesting in us, a certain part of us I don't think can like rest assured knowing that it's real until we've had an experience where not only one person, but a group of people have been like, yes, that whole part of you is very valid. And like, you can rest assured knowing that because that is a real person and that is a real part of yourself. And that did really happen to you because it happened to me too. And it's such a breath of fresh air and like a sigh of relief that coming out of that, like I feel safe and sure. Like I keep saying sure, but I feel that way. And it's allowing me to be free because I think before that I was like wandering around, like doing my best. But then a part of me was always like, like, feeling alone, I think. And once you don't feel alone, once you feel like you have community and now my little community of five other people is like scattered all around, but we talk all the time. And just knowing that they're there makes me feel like I'm being held up by this by this experience and by this group of people. And I'm sure you're experiencing the same thing. It's just like so amazing. Yeah, truly. Just to like, know, yeah, exactly what you said, to know that they're out there and it's like another version of you is, is out there experiencing yeah, something different, but that part you, you share connection through and it's just, you're like, oh, I don't have to feel alone in this. And yeah. to have that validated, yeah, it's like so, so powerful and like cannot be understated enough. And like, I don't think I, I didn't realize I needed that. And I think there's just so much shame too that comes around like sharing these parts of ourselves that we can convince ourselves we're alone in it. And like, I had done that for so many years because I just, you know, my, I've, I was like, no, there's no way like this small, very particular detail of, you know, my dad's death and my, my experience, like no one can relate to that. And like mm-hmm. to have someone not only relate to it, but share like the almost identical experience. I was just like, whoa, that's wild. And I don't have to carry this myself anymore. And you, yeah, you just feel so much lighter and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel like, yeah, I feel so much more capable now because I don't have to carry it alone. It also informs, especially for I mean, people that like, I think a lot of this, what we're talking about is a lot for certain people to deal with and maybe they're not ready for that kind of thing. I think it takes getting to a place of being able to share. I think there are a lot of people that aren't able to share yet Um, and hopefully they get there. Maybe they won't, but I think, um, 
yeah, that is a big thing. I think a lot of people don't feel ready. And I think unfortunately in this time we're living in, there are like less and less gateways of like readying someone for that kind of disclosure, which feels sort of um, ironic given the fact that we live in this time of like such great like interconnectivity with like the internet and we like there's so many avenues and like outlets for sharing but it's like overwhelming in a sense like it makes us want to like shelter in place and like not and like not share our stories because it's like there are like so many ways of doing it and so many people doing it in such a masterful way apparently and like there is so much sharing going on like it's I think it's hard for people to see who maybe don't feel so natural doing it. Like it's hard to, to get a sense of like where it's safe to share. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. I was going to say that exact same thing, that word safe, right? It's like you, you do need to feel safe in order to express those parts of yourself. And Mm -hmm. like, you really do need to just feel that out for yourself. And um, I mean, for, yeah, for me, it took me, many years to get to that point. And I just would like to say that, like it's to just grant yourself the time and have patience and, and just trust yourself to know like when that timing is right, but just not to stop trying to seek those spaces out and find that one, one safe person that you can share that part of yourself with. And, and I mean, that's, yeah, that's something that it's it's hard to to realize that like not everyone has access to that and i have to acknowledge that i'm like very grateful that i've been in these situations that have like allowed me access to these these people and these situations that have provided safe spaces and healing um and i feel like that's kind of where i'm at right now in terms of like how i want to carry that forward and like just sharing these tools with people and um you know grief support has been such a big part of my past few months and that's kind of like what i ended up finding for myself in santa cruz like once i left the farm and i was just living there for a bit um i started training to be a death doula and it's interesting it's like it sounds so heavy but my interpretation of it is really just like it's almost just showing people how to live with the certainty of death that allows them for like a greater and richer life. And also with that aspect of grief support is just to like offer myself to, to be that witness for someone else's grief now to like turn around and, and offer that hand. And, um, and I feel like that's what I want to be spreading is just like, holding space for people to, to not feel alone in that and not have to walk that path alone. Um, yeah. Cause not everyone can, can go away for six months and take time off of work. Like a lot of people do have to just to grieve while they're supporting their family. And um, yeah, it can be really hard to find those spaces when you're just like, I'm at capacity. Like, how am I going to do this? And um, yeah, just like sharing the tools where in the meantime, like when they may not be ready to go out in public and share that part of themselves to really just allow, allow themselves to give it to themselves first, if that makes sense, to like have the tools to 
almost prepare yourself for when that time comes yeah. and when that's that safe space appears. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that we've both experienced sort of like the depths of what it feels like to go through like insane um, sort of lows alone and without that sense of community. And we both both also felt the like peaks and uplifts and sense of security and safety and love and and joy that comes with experience and like validation that comes with having at least even someone to bear witness to and hold you through something that you need to go through. And it sounds like both of us, I mean, like I have also had like the great privilege of totally pivoting everything and now going back to grad school and studying to be a therapist, which is what I'm doing. And now with what you're doing, like, and I, I always end by asking people like, what do you do to, to sort of like maintain your mental health? And like these days, like, what are your practices? How are you taking care of yourself? But I feel like both of us, like in taking these career paths and also like it's a way of showing up for other people and sort of making it both of our missions to help people not feel lonely essentially that's what I view how I view what I'm doing like I've experienced loneliness it's been in the at the very center of the worst times of my entire life and it's absolutely what I will make my mission to um, help alleviate for some people and it sounds like you're doing the same thing but I think you and I could both agree that it's just as if not more um helpful for our own for our own mental like it's a giant mental health practice for for ourselves as well yeah oh for sure yeah just yeah granting myself the permission to like seek out those spaces and just continue showing up too because i think too like i can convince myself like, oh, I'm good. You know, like I've gotten to this place. I feel like pretty grounded within myself, but you know, and then the next day comes and you're like, oh, I still need it. <laughs> like, I yeah. still, still need those tools. Yeah. yeah. What are some of your biggest tools just before we, before we say goodbye? Yeah. So I mean, breath work, honestly, breath work and, um, just my meditation practice has been so instrumental, but, um, like, walking in nature like nature has been the biggest healer for me this past year and especially these past few months um so honestly just like walking in nature and honestly crying in my car i will say oh God, like it's like the if you don't <laughs> you don't have access to therapy right now go put on like your favorite playlist or some sad songs that you know you can cry to and go for a drive um yeah, that's it's the biggest healer for me. <laughs> the best. Yeah. Mine crying and running for me is a big yes. one. I'll, like go on runs and just like cry and cry. I wonder with your name, my therapist who also is coming on the podcast and is also somewhat of a goop person. Cart, do you know Carter Stout? Oh yeah, yeah. So he's my therapist, which like I don't know, I talked to him about it. And I was like, some people are so sort of like secretive about who their therapist is but I'm like I'm gonna have you on the podcast and tell everyone but he also <laughs> earths all the time I was gonna say he they sell his book at the the cafe I've seen yeah, it yeah yeah <laughs> won't be in the, I won't reveal where he lives but yeah he all the time where where my therapist lives he 
earths and walks in nature and maybe you guys run into each other. Oh my God. Honestly, I probably, I probably would. Cause I will take my shoes off towards the end of my hike mm-hmm. <laughs> as I'm walking home. So yeah, <laughs> I'll see them on the trail. Yeah. The best. There's nothing more LA, but also more like wonderful. No. <laughs> earthing. Um, well, this has been so lovely and it's, um, it's so nice to finally meet you. And I hope that I meet you in real life. I would absolutely love that. I feel like we have such a connection and I feel like this is the beginning of many conversations. So I would love that. Absolutely.